Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. All right, so here we go again. I am at PodFest. One more interview coming after this one, but this is my favorite because I'm having the great fortune of sitting here with a dear friend of mine and just a legend where running is concerned, Mr. Charlie Ingle. Say hello, Charlie. Hey, what's up, Rich? I'm just absolutely thrilled to be back with you again. It's been, it's been too long. I think the last time I saw you was here. Yeah, well, you know what's funny, Charlie, and I probably never told you this, is that I have friends of mine in my my circle of who tell you that my other podcast is their favorite one. Absolutely, no, really, I was kidding. I know, but I'm telling you, I have actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna call her out. I have Sarah Will. God, just mind farted. Sarah, we're just gonna call you Sarah. Sarah, You know, for anonymity, you know who you are. Yeah, Sarah, sitting here with Charlie, she loves you. All right, Sarah Sarah loves you. She said she thinks you're the most interesting guy on the planet. And she loves listening to your, and she tells me, she listens to all my podcasts. And she says, clearly, most interesting guy you've ever interviewed. Well, Sarah should text me and I'll send her a book or something if that would be even remotely meaningful. I, I, it will be absolutely. My son, my son would say, every time I give somebody a, an autographed book in front of my son, he says, you know, if you keep that, that'll be worth nothing someday. <laughs> <laughs> so I keep him around just to keep me yeah, humble. Yeah. <laughs> so um, for those of you that may have not heard of Charlie, you know, if you're like under a rock someplace, Charlie is famed, I guess because it was on HBO, for running the Sahara. And it's interesting because the young guns that sat at this table before you, you know, they, they don't know nothing. I mean, they're millennials. Mm. They, they don't know nothing. And I said, so I want you guys to hang around because Charlie's coming. They said, okay, who's Charlie? I said, Charlie's a badass. Charlie ran across the Sahara Desert. And they're looking at me like, what? And trying to believe me or not? So if you've not ever seen it, you'll find it on YouTube if you can't find it anywhere else. Running the Sahara, right? Yeah. With Charlie Engel. He was the guy. And Charlie, I don't know, I might be wrong about this, but Mm. you clear me up if I am. I got a hold of you to invite you on to the Spartan cruise. Yeah, and exactly right. And wasn't that your very first? It was. First Spartan race. First yeah. obstacle course race of any kind. Yep. And the only reason I went is because it was a cruise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I, I think I baited a lot of people into doing that. You did. But, well, the good Michael news Wardian is you, and Dean Carnassus. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had quite the crew there. Yeah, yeah. And you were, uh, you were obviously, you had history with Joe DeSena yeah. prior. Yeah. Done some adventure yeah. racing with him in the past. Yeah. So you were, you know, it was easy fix for you to, uh, what, honey, we're going to go on a cruise. Yeah. No, no cost to us. And... It's a Joe DeSena thing, and so... We're going to do some burpees. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get sandy. Yeah, yeah. All the water. I have a picture, by the way, of you 
Michael Wardian, huh? the, the sugar cookies, right? You're oh, all, you're all yeah. Pasted and exactly, sand. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. I, I wonder if I have that. I need a copy of that. I will get you a copy of it. So right. here we are at the Spartan World Championships. Last time I saw you, you're yeah. right, was here. Yeah. yeah. And now, um, I have to believe Joe DeSena has been slowly sucking you in. Indeed. I get, I get multiple requests. Well, I'll, I'll, I will tell another just very brief story, but um, David Watson, who you, you know David, who's the head of product. I mean, that's his title with Spartan. No. So David is, you know, head of product, and Spartan's product is races. You know, it's not T-shirts. That sounds like, you know, merchandise, but um, it's just interesting how the world works. So David and I were racing in Ecuador back in 2015, just in a seven-day stage race. And he's Australian, living in Singapore, mid-30s, and we have this experience out on the race course uh, where he has a really bad day <laughs> on like day four. And the, the, the format is like stage race, like Tour de France, you know, so every day starts and finishes and it's almost 200 miles, the total race though, over, over seven days. And anyway, I stay with David on that day and, and basically just encourage him through the day. And he was ready to quit and he finished that day. And, you know, it was one of those bonding moments because mutual suffering, like when you go through something with somebody, even a stranger, is just so powerful. So David lived in Singapore and we became great friends. And Joe, of course, lived in Singapore at the time. And I said, hey, I got, look, David, don't, don't hold it against me, but I want to introduce you to this guy, Joe Desaini. He's a little crazy, and he does this, you know, whole Spartan thing and all of that. And anyway, they end up, um, literally, I introduce them. A week later, Joe has taken David to Mount Fuji in Japan because David had climbed Mount Fuji before, and Joe wanted to. So they went together to do that. Six months later, David calls me and says, I quit my job. I'm working for Spartan. Oh, wow. And, and anyway, I, don't know, it's, I know it's a tangent, but it's such a, uh, you know, it's just funny how this Spartan world does suck in people. And it's, it's powerful because it is so aspirational. You know, this is not a... This is not a company that you come to work for to make a million dollars or to whatever. It's not, you know, it's not that way. You know, you, you Well, we come... won't turn it down. No, if it, <laughs> if, if it ever appears, I want to keep living my lifestyle, but I would take that money. Yeah. No, but it is, uh, it's interesting. And Joe does keep, you know, he keeps bringing projects to me and inviting me to stuff. And I think we have a really, we have a good bond and I respect his, uh, I respect his brand of craziness. You would. Yeah. I could see where you yeah. would. And I think that's how he develops his, his uh, cadres. You're going to meet on a mountain mm -hmm. or something like this, right? Yeah, and it's not for, it's not for everybody. And Joe, Joe is, I mean, by his own admission, you know, he's, um, he flies by the seat of his pants a lot of times. And it's, it's um, not every decision is right, I'm sure. I don't know the inner workings of, you know, all the nuances in the company. But, I'm, you know, for what he's trying to do, he's, he's made it so hard on himself. I mean, it's a, this is a hard business. You, it costs a fortune to put on one of these races, you know, and you got to have a ton of people and right. staff and support. But... I think to get to uh, the, the point of it all, though, is that what he does is he gives people an opportunity through 
obstacle course racing in general, but Spartan specifically, to test themselves in a way that I think most people aren't willing to do in the other parts of their lives. Like, you know, most people aren't brave enough to, you know, quit a job and start a new business from scratch, or most people aren't brave enough to leave a bad relationship and whatever. All those other really uncomfortable things out there, people tend to stay stuck. Spartan and obstacle course racing gives you this place to come, uh, put out some new energy and try something different in a moderately controlled environment. You know, yeah. you're not going to die, or at least you're probably Hopefully not going not. to, right? right? But you are going to be tested. Uh, actually, so see, since we've talked before, I'm going to ask you a question. So, you know, if someone says to you that they want to have like, that they want to be trained by you so that they can have the perfect race. Yeah. Like, is that possible? What do you say to that person? Well, I mean, it's subjective. So a uh, perfect race in my eyes, your eyes, what do you define as a perfect race? So I have commonly athletes approach me that clearly want to get to the pinnacle of their ability. And it, earlier on, talking to these youngsters about where they're headed and their heroes and such, and what their aspirations are for winning and training and and um, I, I always second, second guess. I, I, I don't want this to sound badly, but I'm just going to say it. I'll give you an example. I get approached by people from around the world, and I have for many years, for various reasons. It's kismet. I, I don't even understand what the dynamic is universally that causes these people to You're find You're a magnet, me. man. You're I don't magnet. know what it is. Yeah. But so um, I got to a habit where when somebody that I've never heard of approaches me like you're suggesting, I, I Google them. Mm-hmm. I want to find out who they are. And then before I start to make decisions about what we're going to do, if we're going to do something, or what I'm going to say, I want to first understand who I'm dealing with. And there are people that will come to me that they may not even feel that they have this ability to get to this place, to have that perfect race. But I feel encouraged that they are what they need to be. And then I, I try to chase that down. And then I'll have people come to me that want this, but they really don't want this. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're They've seen it on TV. Right. And what they want is the, the glory that they've seen. Well, I, I, I used to own health clubs. And I had women come up to me with a picture of some model <laughs> saying, I want abs like hers. Yeah. And then... Get different I, parents. Well, I would say, <laughs> are you prepared to, to live the life this person lives? Yeah. Because that means serious dedication to nutrition. No no games, no fooling around, no parties. Yeah. You know, you got to put in the work. Yeah. And uh, so... I do the same with um, people come to me regularly to say, I'm going to run across the United States and I wanna, yeah. I'm going to set a new route. I want you know, to go after the record. And look, I will always respond and I'll always have that conversation with someone who's willing to put themselves out there. But if I get on Ultra Sign Up or Athlinks and I see that they've done, you know, 250Ks in their life. And even if they won them or they did well or whatever, that that doesn't mean that they can't do what they're saying they're going to do. But... You know, my my advice, if I give advice, my suggestion is, is, look, 
here's how you start. Where do you know? Where do you live? North Carolina. Okay, I tell you what. North Carolina is a big state. It's like four or five hundred miles from tip to tip. Why don't you try running across that? You know, <laughs> they plan, call me. Plan the expedition. <laughs> right. Plan it. Get your buy a map. Okay. Buy an actual paper map. Mark stuff down. Drive the course even if you want. You know, figure it out and. 99 times out of 100, I never hear from them again. That's exactly right. And which is which is good for me. I mean, I, I'm not that I wouldn't help them, but they have to then make that next well, step. Well, basically what's happening in your regard is they're hoping that you're going to carry them through it. Mm. And if, if you go into a project like that, depending on somebody to carry you through it, yeah. you're not the guy for the project to begin with. No, and there's tons of people. I mean, I always say talent is the least important part of the equation most of the time yeah. like like for long long distance running it is truly such a mental uh, and educational you know you need to be willing to learn how to deal with nutrition and hydration and blisters and all the other things that are going to happen because those are all the things that actually you know you might be a 230 marathoner that does not mean that you're going to be good at running across the United States or exactly. even or even at running 100 miles because they are completely different. There's nothing about them even that's particularly, you know, similar. So I, I people ask me regularly, you know, how do you like for the Sahara, you know, it's, it's 4,500 miles. Like, how do you train for something like that? And my, my it's taken me a while to get the answer, but the answer simply is, you know, by being alive and being me because I ran for you know, 15 straight years before that. And I, I did, you know, a hundred marathons and I ran, you know, dozens of ultras and I, I learned how to do it. And I understood that actually the most important thing I could do was get to the starting line healthy, not get to the starting line fit. <laughs> I mean, I needed to be fit, Yeah. but you can't train for that. You just got to like get well, your Well, but aside, aside all that, mm. I know you well enough that you embrace the suck. 100%. You are, you are the guy that embraces the suck, where a lot of people, when they face the suck, it, they shy away from it. Mm -hmm. It just it is not in their character to, to go to that, that dark place and reside there, where you start to shine once you get into the dark place, where others start to falter. That's why you're, my, my take is that yeah. I, I believe that's why. Well, I ask you about the perfect race because people will say to me, you know, I want to have like the perfect marathon. I'm like, why would you want to do that? <laughs> because what, what name me something that went exactly the way you scripted it out that actually taught you any lessons? Like, what did you get out of that? And I'm not saying you purposely make it hard, but like, I want to get to that place in, in pretty much every race I do where I want to quit. And I'm honest enough to admit, you know, that I want to quit. Like, I, I would, I want to share the struggle with people because everybody understands struggle in some form or another or in multiple forms. And too often, too often the super talented people, anybody, you know, make, especially if you're just watching something on television, it actually makes it look super easy. You know, oh, and they yeah. don't, you know, and they suffer. They suffer too. These people tomorrow who are going to be Spartan World Champions, you know, they may have the race of their life. You know, there might be some person who who comes out of nowhere and wins and whatever. And that, but there was a lot of years of of ridiculously hard work that went into getting sure, you know, to that place. So maybe tomorrow there's not a huge. Maybe tomorrow is the payoff for them, but what got them there was a series of failures before that. 
Exactly. I'm, right. I'm reading this amazing book right now that, that uh, I'll only mention briefly, but it's actually called Anti-Fragile, which isn't a word. <laughs> and the author, in fact, goes to great lengths in the, in, the, in the opening chapter to talk about how there is no opposite to the word fragile. Like, there's, there's, no, there's no exact opposite to the word fragile. So he made up the word anti-fragile. But I love, and I'm only a few chapters in, but the, the premise is so powerful to me. And it's this idea that um, we are, you know, comfort, of course, is overrated. But, but the place where we really learn is in chaos and randomness. And the, the trying to control the situation to such a degree that things go the way you want it's just so a it's pretty much impossible like and maybe it'll go that way one time out of ten you know if you're trying to do that but but the excitement happens and the cool stuff happens and the lessons happen and the growth actually happens when you have chaos and randomness and just getting through, and, and this is a lesson for me because I, I arguably have gotten through, you know, as hard a situation as most anybody has with addiction, with, you know, prison. I had that crazy story with running, with all these things that have happened. And for some of those periods, my goal was to get through them. Like, survive, and I've talked about that, surviving it, like get through it. Like I'm a survivor, I can get through this. And then it, this book makes me see that, in fact, though, what I need to be doing more of, even in the face of really hard things, is, is thriving. Like, getting through it means that you're basically the same person you were once you get to the other side. Right. Like, you're just white-knuckling it, trying to get, get past that and, and be whole still when you're done. What I want is to get past it, get through it, and actually be better when exactly. I'm finished with it. Exactly. Yeah, and I, it's while you were talking about this, what what came to mind for me, kind of on the same uh, thread that you ask about the coaching thing, is that um, I don't I shy away from people that want to try it for a while, because that just tells me they don't have the conviction to begin mm. with, and with me it's a process, because I'm collecting data, and you call me on the phone or you email me or whatever it is, I don't even know you. And you might talk about all your aspirations. You might give me your pedigree and talk about all the cool things you did. And you might have a goal in mind. Generally, they do. But, um, okay, let's start. Because it's a new chapter. And the new chapter is now somebody's driving it for you. And for me to drive, I, I have to have a map. And every day that you have, like you suggested, chaos or experiences, that information is feeding me to help to make the better decisions about how I drive. And so in so many regards, I've seen coaches that are um, purported to be, you know, maybe they had history where they were a great runner or something like this. And so they, you know, they, they emulate that, that uh, aura that this guy has. I want to be like you, so I better chase you around. Well, you're not me, mm -hmm. and you're not Charlie Engel. So you need, we need to find out who you are and w what works for you because our DNA is not the same. So this is why I, I base so much of what I do on the data collection and the, and the, the clinical analysis I do because 
we could talk all day about what your heart rate should look like when you're running, but until I've actually seen what the response is relative to that heart rate, we're just having a conversation. And so I need at least that to lead me down the right path. I don't want to find out eight weeks later that I was wrong and wasted eight weeks of your life, right? And yours. And mine. <laughs> well, I'm getting paid. Yeah, so you're I getting mean, paid. But, it's, but yeah, at but the end of the day, it is still, it, it is a waste. And you want results, though. Yeah, and so I find that the, one, the, the people that I've had the greatest amount of success with are the ones that understand this. Mm. And they, they put in the time and they provide the information so that we can so that we can um, build a case. Yeah. So uh, I'll give you an example, and uh, she's probably going to blush when she hears this later. I'm sure she'll listen. Callie, who mm. I've been coaching for about a year now, and as a matter of fact, DJ, who I've been coaching for about a year now too, they're both young. Uh, neither one of them were, I mean, they were gifted athletes, core. You know, I, I saw this thing in them. And in both regards, I sat with my wife over a glass of wine or something and, and you know, a Cuban cigar, and I said, you know, honey, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna call Callie, and offer to coach her. And she knows her, and she knows me, and she goes, mm -hmm. I think you should, you should, you should call her. Mm -hmm. And uh, same, she didn't know VJ very well, but I said, you know what, I, I like what I see in this kid, and I, I think I wanna, I wanna chisel this out. I wanna help refine this kid. And in both regards, they've had a successful year. They're far and away greater athletes than they were a year ago, but. We've learned to communicate, and I've, I've built on the information they've provided me. So coming here today, we didn't come into this winging it. Mm -hmm. we, we had a plan. We had basis to follow and, and, and to, to move forward with this that no one else could have provided them. Mm -hmm. and, and you know you know how it works. Like uh, she gets together with some of her heroes, and, and uh, mm -hmm. they may have some advice. You know, I don't know if you should be doing what, you know, you shouldn't maybe do what he's, uh, here's what I do, right? That kind of thing, right? And then I have, to, I have to get back to her and say, look, Callie, I said, I have, I have data on you for every workout you've done in the last year. I know every mile you, you, you took. I know what it cost you to get there. When you failed, when you succeeded, everything that I do is based on the information that you provided me through this, this data collection. Do you really want to just have somebody talk about their life history and, and say, be like me and, and you know, you'll be like me? So anyway, I'm, I'm ready. Well, that's about, but that's about what that is also about is trust. And, it, you know, they have to learn to trust you as a coach. And it is very, again, we, you and I were talking before, uh, before we began about diet and nutrition and you know there's all the keto diets and all the, all this stuff that's that's just so um, you contrary know, it's so I contrary mean. well and just like you know Callie could okay let's say she took the advice of even one of her heroes and did this one thing this one maneuver this one exercise whatever it is there's a, there's a chance that that might actually improve that one part of her thing, you know, in the in the short in that moment. But some of it is because, as much as anything, she believes that it does. Like it's it's funny. You you understand the athlete mind as well as anyone. Yeah. So, in the long term, though, you know what I look for, of course, in a coach is somebody who. Um, 
A, somebody I trust, but somebody, you know what? The most important thing to me that I look for in a coach is somebody that I'm willing to tell the truth to. Because unless they're yeah. with me every yeah. day, they have to take my word for right. the workouts, for how it was, for how I felt, right. for how I slept, how the rest of my personal life, because all these things play into sure. how you perform on race Good day. Time. And just like a therapist, if you're going to lie to your coach because you want to please them, it's incredibly counterproductive. And, and I think that... You know, you as a person are a no-nonsense kind of a guy. And I think you, my suspicion is you find that balance with each individual athlete that you actually understand that some of them you might have to yell at a little bit. Some of them, if you yell at them, you're going to lose them. You know, you, you, you teach and, and coach and handle each one differently. And, you know, let them understand, too, that you're not perfect you know you give the best information and the best coaching based on the data that you have and I think that that's I think that's really key the other I was going to ask you about a philosophy that I've got too so um I've done some writing yeah, for yeah. a book that you you you've got your book you're working on I got one that I'm working on I read on your and, book yeah well there's so there's that one and but this this new one that I'm working on is really mm -hmm. about at this point, my working title is Surviving Anything. And it's kind of this idea of, you know, not only should we, not only can we survive, but also, um, you know, we should seek things out that force us into a, a, a place of survival. I don't necessarily mean life and death survival all the time, but, you know, survival emotionally and physically and all of that. But um, one of my chapters, or even a couple of them, sort of revolve around um, instinct, uh, instinct, and instinctive coaching, even because I I don't formally coach people the way you do. But if someone presses me, I'll I'll give them some advice. But my advice is more. My answer is always not. Here's what you should do. My answer is always. Here's what I do. <laughs> Use it if you want to, right. because I don't like to give right. advice. I'm not qualified. But um, there's this idea that, you know, A, I tell people, and as a coach, you may disagree with this, but don't be a slave to your schedule, even the coach's schedule. But you have to be honest with your coach. Like, if, if, you, if you got a 20-mile run coming up on Saturday and you had a super stressful week and you didn't sleep well and you, you know, you were, you had a cold, whatever, all those things. Plan B. Yeah, plan B. I mean, to go on and force yourself to do that 20 miles on Saturday is so counterproductive. You have to, you have to, if you don't have a coach, you need to at least ask your, my, part of what I'm hoping to do with, with that part of the book is to give people some tools to say, okay, here are three questions I need to ask myself. You know, did I sleep well? Did I have some stress? Or, and ultimately, then the final one is kind of like getting at, am I just being a, a wuss right. today? And if you, can, if you can get through those questions and be honest, it'll tell you, do I need to get out there and do my run? Or can I put it off till tomorrow? Yeah, and I'm not a hardliner by any stretch when it comes to that. Because to me, um, I write plans for people. I don't like writing future plans. I do. But I always write a future plan with an escape clause. So right now, I've actually just entered into a project to prepare people for a half marathon on the off season. And uh, my focus in this project was to teach people how 
to progressively develop their ability to run over 16 weeks, as opposed to just your friend coming up, say there's a marathon next week, what do you think? I go, oh, sh- uh, go ahead, well, let's try. You know, it's, it's just teaching them the fundamentals that they need to experience. Now, and I've told people that I, I've written the thing with pencil. So because I'm collecting information from them, if you call me and say, look, I'm just, this is killing me. I'm going to look at it and I'm going to say, you know what? This is clearly killing you. So this is maybe what we should do now. We're going to, we're going to take a left-hand turn maybe. And I have athletes that are preparing for uh, World's Toughest Mudder mm-hmm. Championships. Yep. And uh, we've been training all year. Various events, various distances, some ultras tossed in it. And we're looking at the responses we're getting from the work we're doing. And I've developed relationships with these people, and we can have that conversation where, you know, I've just felt like shit today. And I'm like, you know what? I need to take two days off. I might have had scripted for them to do some work. But I said, no, I think I could. No, I don't want you to do it. Just trust me. Just take the two days off. And after two days, if, if we're ready to go, let's talk about it then, and let's approach it then. But um, I've never been. I've never been one to say, well, this is the way it works. So if you don't yeah. do this, you just suck. You don't. Yeah. Well, and that's smart because also you. I know you, and you back into. If I if I came to you, you know, tomorrow and said, look, I want to. It's been you know ten years since I've run a three hour marathon. I want to run a three hour marathon again. Like like if I said that to you at my age and at the incredible number of slow miles that I've run the last 10 years, <laughs> you know, I actually know though that, that, you know, we would get on a program where at some point, you know, I'm going to have to do, you know, a dozen mile repeats at, you know, sub six minute pace. And like, I, and so I, it would become very evident, self-evident in pretty short order, whether or not, my body and my mind was capable of taking on that workload. And I think that, you know, I give you great credit, the wealth of experience that you have and knowledge and, and being able to, I mean, look, man, most of the people you coach and with all due respect to them, maybe, maybe, maybe one of them will win a gold medal in obstacle course racing someday. Maybe yeah. that'll actually happen. But in general, most people just want to, they want to race better. They want to feel better. Exactly. They want to just be better. Exactly. And, and honestly, um, at this juncture, there's not much payday in it. I yeah, mean, it's, yeah. it's not like... Uh, you just got to be committed. Well, I've worked, <laughs> we talked about this earlier. I work with professional boxers, yeah, world yeah, yeah, title yeah. holders mm. that are going to step into the ring and, and make millions of dollars. And uh, I'm, incidentally... Win or lose, yeah, even. Yeah, incidentally, <laughs> that is the most stressful relationship yeah. I've ever had. Yeah, I bet. I could not sleep. Because I knew that what hung in the balance was a world title and millions of dollars yeah. to change hands. Yeah. So, it, yeah, you get paid either way. Yeah, but you get $10 million if you win and $1 million if you well, lose or whatever. Well, whatever the deal was. Yeah, whatever but the deal the point was, being, right? if, if you lose, then your next payday is going to suffer. Yeah, it would be half or, or you, whatever. Or maybe you don't get a championship yeah. shot. Yeah, And so it could be the end of your career. Yeah. And I've, I've had those sleepless nights. Yeah. Um, but it is not happening in this sport. Mm-hmm. I, I hope it will. I hope one day whether it's Joe or whomever, pulls it out and finds a way to get enough media attention that, you know, and that's what it really boils down to, is mm. you've got to have enough people interested in looking at it yeah. 
for it to be bearing fruit. Man, the other thing I love about this sport too, though, is the, the um, you know, like I was in Iceland for the 24-hour race last year in December, and, you know, the weather was absolute crap for right. a lot of it. It's Iceland, for God's sake. I meant sake. to ask you about that. Yeah, oh, what, a, what an absolutely amazing experience. I mean, unbelievable. My, my, like, fifth loop out there, you know, the loop was almost eight miles long, so I think it was my fifth loop, you know, the northern lights came out for almost that, the yeah. entire loop. And it was just this really otherworldly thing. But, like, that was a great example of the weather turned to crap for a while. And, of course, that happens in a lot of these races, too, where if it rains, it's a different course. Yeah. And, and the people who have a certain strength, I always call it just like, uh, you know, horse racing, right? There's some racers who are, who are better in the mud and some horses that are better on dry, whatever it right. might be. Sure. And it changes the entire dynamic because sure. then, you know, like for me, I don't have great grip strength. Like that's my biggest weakness in this sport. I'm a good runner. I'm strong enough to do most of the, you know, strength things but if you if i have to hang from something <laughs> a monkey bar or a ring or a freaking rope yeah. you know it's already very hard for me so then if it rains i'm basically just Done. doing burpees yeah. you know i mean that's pretty much my only option and so and and it actually happened in iceland i after loop number one there were three obstacles that i never even tried again twister because it was wet and i already sucked at it and like <laughs> and to to take two minutes of really hard effort and still fail and have to do the burpees. It stupid. was easier just to, <laughs> yeah. you know, because the burpees only took me two and a half minutes. Right, right. So I was better off just skipping the obstacle right. and being smart. But I love the fact that with this sport, you know, it, it, because running for the most part, straight out running, like on a track or whatever, it's pretty rare. You know, the winner is probably still going to be the winner. Like everybody's time right. might be slower, but the winner, you know, of a marathon in the rain or in whatever, it's probably going to be the same. It's general, predictable. Yeah. Whereas in in this race, if, it, if we woke up tomorrow morning and it's going to be 33 degrees, like sure. if all of a sudden there was snow on the ground, it would change. Like I'm sure, again, some of the best people would still do incredibly well, but there would probably be a couple of big surprises. Yeah. Well, clearly, and there there has been some years here where. The course had to be shut down at the, on the top of the mountain because the weather turned so badly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how would you like to be that guy that was up there when they decided to make the decision that, you know what, <laughs> this is probably not, <laughs> this is not healthy. We need to look at Charlie's in the wind out there. You know? Yeah. See, with me, and this is the mental part of the sport, right? And with all, you know, I shouldn't say it around OCR because I'm a very average obstacle course racer, but... Um, in adventure racing or in running, like I, I literally hope for, you know, the worst possible conditions sure. if I'm trying to be competitive. Because my assumption is, whether it's even true or not doesn't matter. It's what I believe. I believe if, the, if it's super hot, if it's whatever the worst conditions could possibly be, I believe I'm going to do better in the race than if it's a very runnable course and mild conditions I'm it's because you embrace the suck i do and i, I mean i know i don't just embrace it man i invite it i invite come on in let's have some so where a lot of people they that's that's not their game i mean yeah. these are these uh purebreds that they got the clean skills that can run like hell but as soon as things get a little off yeah it throws the whole thing well you know them. where you learn that I, it's funny it just occurred to me and i i, I 
I don't give myself a lot of credit for certain things, but when I plan a run, I plan a run. If I plan a 10-mile run on Tuesday, and I mean, whatever, I mean, again, with respect to what I said a little while ago about how I feel, but assuming I'm sticking to my kind of schedule, if I plan that run and I wake up and it's 40 degrees and raining, I'm not going to the freaking gym to run on a treadmill. I said that I'm running. So my view is I'm out there running in the rain in 40 degrees and the other guys are going to the treadmill in the gym so that they can be warm and, you know, and, and whatever. And I, for me, I think that the mental boost that I get from finishing that run in absolutely crappy conditions helps me way more than even the physical part of it. It's funny you say that because I had this very same conversation with, I'm not going to throw him under the bus. One of my athletes was preparing to do an event on the East Coast, and the weather was just terrible. Raining, it just it's, they've had a lot of rain this year. Just relentless raining, and she goes, but I'm getting a membership at this gym, so I can, I can get my miles in because you, you got me scheduled to do this 18-mile run, whatever it is. Uh, but I can get on the treadmill and we'll do, you know, you have incline. You talked about 18, 20% grade. I'll just get in there. I said, well, why? I mean, I said, don't you think it's going to rain during the race? I said, I said, well, what if it rains during the race? I mean, she goes, and it's so hot. It's like so hot. The weather's been sweltering and hot and it's raining. I said, you got to deal with it. Just get out there and deal with it. And then, you know, let the people you're going to race against go to the gym. And you'll have that advantage over them. So within keeping what you said. But Man, it's, a, it's such a great ad. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear you say it. Because, again, okay, sure, could the quality of the run that she was going to do in training quality, I'm doing air quotes for people who are listening, be better on the treadmill i guess maybe the quality of the actual running part of it could possibly be better but like you said what if it rains on race day you know are you just gonna are you gonna not race or are you just gonna like i mean your stuff's gonna dry you know my, my grandmother of course always said you know what are you made of sugar all of a sudden so you know <laughs> you're not gonna melt man so just get out there all right so the last thing i want to talk about i know you're excited about this and it's new Spartan Trail Racing. Yeah. Yeah, share that with nah. me. I'm, God, I'm, it's a, I'm more excited about this than I have been about anything in a while. And uh, Joe and I talked a while back, and, and uh, David Watson is head of racing, head of product, uh, talked a while back about ways that we can encourage people to come into the fold of obstacle course racing uh, but not, not without necessarily having them do obstacles. And the obvious choice was running. And we already have the venues. I mean, the venues are already, you know, we're, we're paying for the venues. And many of them, like right here in Tahoe, have just amazing trails away from the already existing obstacle course race. So why not do Spartan Trail and start doing a series of races? And for, for those people out there that come from running or that are aware of it, which is probably most everybody, uh, ultra running world has exploded, absolutely exploded. Obstacle course racing and ultra running are far and away the two like fastest growing adventure type sports out there. While traditional marathoning, um, Ironman, triathlons, their numbers have been decreasing since 2012, like steadily. 
the sports are still healthy and they're doing great, but people are looking for that next challenge. And so what we decided to do was do trail racing. But this is like old school, for real trail racing. 10K, half marathon, very achievable for people, but you're not going to come out here and run your, your PR in, you know, in a Spartan trail half marathon because it's going to be whatever I can make it as the course designer, that's what it's going to be. <laughs> so if you're going you're gonna to design the courses? Absolutely. All so right. I just finished designing one. The very first one, the inaugural is in Virginia at the Spartan race in Arrington, Virginia, coming up on October 13. And, you know, there what I have to work with is rocks and roots and mud and, you know, because of you're just referencing the weather and we had that hurricane and all of that. There's down trees everywhere. So, so the race is going to be natural obstacles, but not, not a crazy number of them. I want people to be able to go out there and run, but I also want them to not be worrying about how fast they're going. I want it to be when they're just like, just like obstacle course racing. I want the story that they tell after to be about, you know, they were up to their knees in this one, you know, mud puddle or they were, you know, whatever. Because those are the things that they're the fun stories to go tell their friends and family. They're, you know, they're the thing that gives them pride when it's over that they got through it. And, you know, and they'll, they'll take the pictures and, and spread the word. And our goal is to have, we're going to do just two trail races this year. It's already late in the year. I think we'll try to have about a dozen next year. And we'll announce the full schedule soon. Cool. And, uh, you know, and grow it. And it's a way to bring new people who might be intimidated by the idea of the obstacles into the fold. And it's a way to, I know a whole lot of people who come to these races and one person's racing and the other person's there to support. But chances are good that other person is actually an athlete. I mean, they're... You know, they kinda, to run. yeah, that goes together as a couple. So if that person can show up and they don't, they're not really the obstacle person, but they want to do a 10K at a beautiful place like this, why wouldn't you want to do that? So yes. we're, we're very excited about trying to grow this. It makes perfect sense. I, I think it'll be entertaining. Um, now, is there going to be, um, is it going to be an open field? Is it going to be age group winners? Or what age group for sure. Yeah. So I'll have overall winners, you know, probably top three, depending on how the numbers grow. Um, age group top three, um, you know, just like always, everybody's going to get a, they're going to get a t-shirt, they're going to get a medal, they're going to get, you know, the other thing I want people to have is the Spartan experience in right. the sense that the start will be at the regular start. And so the MC will be there pumping them up. Yep. We'll have a different color headband for trail runners right. and get them pumped up. They'll, the, the, the trail runners will come in and jump over the fire pit and go nice. across the finish line. And, you know, they'll, so they get a feel, they get to be welcomed into the tribe. They get to be a, a, a Spartan, but in a different way. And hopefully, I mean, my estimation is fully, you know, half of the people that actually come out and experience the kind of the overall feel of a Spartan race are going to want to do an obstacle course race. If they, if they were intimidated by that, they might come do the run. And then the next time around, they'll probably jump in and, and, and jump over some stuff. Or start training for it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the other thing is, I think what people learn, and I know you tell people, 
and then we'll wrap this up, is, is this, this, I tell people all the time, you know, nobody's watching you in these races. <laughs> Nobody cares how you do. We all think yeah. the world revolves Well, they'll watch us. me. Right. <laughs> if I put my ass up in there, they're going to be watching me. <laughs> well, you, you deserve to be watched. But, you know, nobody's watching. So, you know, you're out there in waves and you're doing stuff and nobody, nobody gives a crap how you, you know, finish. And so just, just try it. Don't be, there's nothing to be afraid of, you know, except, except not doing it. You know, it's, it's the way to, it's the way to grow. So anybody out there who's, who's just hasn't quite hit the enter button on their computer, it's that one to the right, the kind of big one, find the race you want to do and hit that enter button. Okay. Before we shut this down, I want to give a plug to your first book. Yeah. Running Man. Running Man with Charlie Engel. It's an interesting read. It's on Audible also, uh, which it's my, my audio book has actually far outsold my print book. Yeah. And, and I think it's because a lot of runners and adventure athletes and obstacle course racers like to, you know, they like to get a little, a little entertainment, education, and, and have some distraction. Do you, do you narrate the book? I do. I had, really? to, I had to audition to read my own book. Oh, my God. Yeah. Was it hard? It was very hard. It was fun, though. Because I, I had people ask me to do that with mine. Yeah. I don't think I can do it. It, it, was, it was harder than I would have thought. And I was in a studio for five days reading for, like, oh. six hours a day. Oh. And... It, I, it now was, I know I can't do it. It was good, though. It was, it, I enjoyed the experience. And, I mean, who else is going to read your book, though, dude? Yeah, I know. I mean, I know. you know. <laughs> so, and then I, and like I said, I don't know when the other one's going to come out, but I'll, I'll, I'll come back and talk to you again, and we'll figure yes, that out. Yes, you will. Charlie, As it's always. always a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.